Good afternoon, my friends. February 5th, 2018. Welcome to the Good Vibes Podcast. I am your host, the Psycho Man. Today I'm going to talk about a topic that's been rolling around my feed and a lot of other people's podcasts um, as of late, and it's going to talk about overcoming obstacles. I think it's a really, really big topic. I think it's an important topic uh, that I first seen largely brought up by Gabriella from uh, Take a Break Radio. And I think it's an important subject because there's a lot of folks out there struggling. There's a lot of folks out there um, that are going through a lot because, after all, none, none of us are immune from obstacles in our lives and how we overcome them and uh, we all talk, walk a, a tough road and so I think it's an important thing to carry on with and I'm going to do a much longer segment on it coming up here soon but I do want to at least touch base on that today and the importance of overcoming obstacles and I want to do some quick shout outs here before I get started on it. Um, positive gaming, uh, talk about an on an authentic individual being himself. He talks a lot on his podcast, especially recently, about some of the stuff he's overcome. And uh, definitely go over and check out Positive Gaming. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, I just want to applaud him for uh, just sharing brave stories about himself. And uh, thank you so much over there at Positive Gaming. Gabrielle will take a break radio. She's kind of the one that really started a lot of this um, that I have seen recently about talking about overcoming obstacles and asking people, you know, about the obstacles they've had and how they've overcome them. So I just want to give so, so much praise to Gabrielle over there at Take a Break Radio. So go check out her channel. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's loaded with great info and you get to hear a lot of good stories from her and from other people who's called into her station. I want to talk a little bit about words for the soul uh just such a smart young lady got great content on there she was talking about you know social media and and outside noise that uh can sometimes get to us and maybe gives us an impression of you know what we're lacking or what we don't have because we see other people doing things or how people are you know just negative and also doing things that are really eating away at us and how we need to take some time to be introspective and really take a look at ourselves and uh she did a call into the station which i'm going to share with you here in a minute so i just want to give a big shout out to words for the soul the l4h podcast um, definitely go check him out. Um, he had a really brave segment that he called in to take a break radio the other day and talked about a really brave story from his life and how he worked on overcoming that and continues to work on overcoming his challenges and his obstacles. So definitely go check out the L4H podcast. And then as always, uh, just a great podcast, Kane's Way. Uh, I, I could shout him out every day and and it would just never get old to me uh, how much awesomeness that that man brings to the anchor podcasting so definitely go check out Kane's way and if I didn't mention you there's still several other people out there uh, that I'm starting to listen to some new folks that have favorited my station I want to thank you so much thank you thank you thank you for the just so much gratitude your way um, for everything that everyone is bringing right now whether I mentioned your name or not this Anchor podcast is blowing up, and it's just becoming something so fantastic that I, I can't express enough gratitude for it. And this is going to tie in a little bit to today about talking about overcoming obstacles because I just I think this is so important that people have a voice. They can get out there. They can be heard. They can talk and 
about their life and tell their stories, um, whether it's from an entertaining perspective or from a life lesson perspective. Thank you all so much for helping make this big. I, I'm just glad to, to be a, a small part of it and just be involved. So, And not just involved, but committed to doing it every day. So thank you all so much. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about a little bit about my story and talk about overcoming obstacles. And, you know, you can do the same. So stay tuned. What is up, Good Vibes? Thank you so much for the shout-out. Thank you so much for the feedback. And yes, I totally agree on the social media part. I mean, that's something that we fail to recognize. Sometimes we use it in a way to put ourselves down without even noticing. Comparing yourself to someone else's life, even if it's good or a bad trait. And honestly, I feel like that's a danger zone right there because you can't just live up comparing yourself to someone else's lives because we all have our own lives and we fail to see that sometimes. We fail, fail to see what we have and what we don't have. We focus more on what we don't than on what we do. I think we just have to be grateful for the steps and for however long we have come and just embrace the change and embrace, embrace what we have going on instead of comparing ourselves to other people. Once again, thank you so much for the shout out. Thank you so much for the feedback. Um, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. And I am looking forward to listening to your station and seeing what you're all about. Oh, thank you. Thank you again so much. Words for the soul. I love your podcast. I'm going to continue listening, getting some good information, getting some good vibes from you as well. Today, I'm going to talk uh, a little bit uh, more personal. Uh, definitely, as I head into the, the 30s and 40s on my podcasts here of episodes, feel more comfortable uh, revealing a little bit more uh, from the personal side um, of things. I've already talked a lot about my music and uh, talked about some of my you know my business uh, obstacles, but I'm going to talk a little bit about some personal obstacles that I've I personally had and primarily I'll go into more detail in this on a future podcast as I'd like to really tell the whole story and uh, so that everybody can hear it because it's uh, nearly unbelievable but extremely powerful and I know that there's a lot to be gained from it because I'm still standing I am a very happy and humble human being and I love my life and I love everything that I'm doing and where I'm headed uh, despite the fact of some of the things that's taken place in my life. My son was born, his name's Skyler. He was born December 16th, 1999. He was a very young man, young father, and uh, one of the most powerful human beings I ever met. Now, naturally, everybody's gonna say that about their children, and that doesn't make you special. Hey, everybody loves their children, and you should. Uh, but most people who ever met my son, uh, especially uh, once I get later in the story, you'd be very shocked that just at how a young human being could be this way but it's a testament of no matter what your age or where you come from or what you go through that there's a great power that lies within you that you can share with other people and it can be absolutely life-changing well about a year and a half old you know me and his mother split up and uh and she had some substance abuse issues and there were some things going on there and uh, just didn't work out and she went ahead and there was there was some trickery there and she took custody of him even though she didn't have a home uh, of her own and she had drug issues and I was working full time I had bought and paid for two vehicles I had my own place to live I had insurance on him myself you know I was doing a lot of things right and I felt really robbed at that point in my life and quite frankly, I was extremely pissed off about the whole thing. And 
and it was a hard, hard road for quite a while, but I still got my son as much as I could. I had him two days a week, then I was inching my way into three, and I was willing to share, but honestly, I was going to take him as much as I could because it was the greatest thing in my life. In 2002, I met my wife, my now wife. I started working with her, and we had worked at a major retailer together, and we were friends for a long time, but then grew to become obviously close friends, and then you know, eventually, uh, we decided once I got promoted and moved on to a different store uh, to take on a, a new, a bigger challenge, that um, you know we would start dating, and that was right around 2003. And uh, she supported me on everything I did, my music business, my ma- my management. I mean, it was a lot of time away, uh, but you know, we we made it work. And she was a manager too, and we had a lot going on, but we loved the time that we did have together. So moving on from there, got up to 2008, um, there was a lot of things going on. My son found out, you know, he'd come to the house and he would immediately ask me what was to eat. And, um, you know, by this time, you know, he's eight, almost nine years old. And come to find out he wasn't being fed at, at his house and he would eat popsicles all day. And, you know, I think this would piss any good parent off, you know, and, and there was a lot of overcoming the obstacles of not being as angry as I really wanted to be and not lashing out in a vengeful way, which would have not accomplished anything. Um, but it was a very long, you know, seven plus years of, of just not knowing if he was safe, not knowing if he was eating, not knowing what kind of garbage he was being exposed to in his life. And it was, it was a very, very just heart wrenching time. But finally, she was proven to be unfit and I was able to take full custody of him, me and my wife was, and start providing a really, really proper life for him. Not simple and easy, but a proper life that any human being would deserve. And then next, what happened was uh, actually pretty crazy. So once I got custody of him, the time that she spent with him diminished to a point within a few months, she's never called back. Couldn't find her, couldn't get a hold of her. You know, I, I wanted to give the opportunity, despite what most people would have said, that I shouldn't have given her the opportunity, but it was still my son's mother. So I tried to give fair opportunity for her to at least have visitation with him, to see him, whether it was supervised or whatever it be, because it was his mom and it was important to him. And she pretty much abandoned him. And Part of the lessons with the obstacles are, is that sometimes the obstacles that are in front of you, you may not have any control over them, but what you do have control over is yourself and how you're going to process them and how you're going to move forward in your life and create the best environment for yourself and in that situation for my son, who didn't have any control over it either, and to to not to make excuses for her, but also not to, to badmouth her and, and to use that as leverage because that's wrong too. And to try to find that medium of just helping him to understand that we don't know what's going on and she's got problems, you know. So he toiled and he had problems with that, obviously, but we worked through it and we provided a, a really great life for him. And uh, then in 2010, uh, I felt the weight of the 2008 crunch in my business that I had on the side um, and 
it, it was it was crippling, obviously, because the economy was bad and everything was tough. And I, I couldn't hold the weight anymore. I was about $900,000 in debt. And, you know, I made $100,000 a year at the time, but it didn't mean much when, you know, my, my bills were about the same as what I was putting out for business and personal expenses. It was really embarrassing. So, yeah, I've got this problem with, you know, my, my son not getting what he needs. And then on top of that, you know, I'm losing my business. I'm losing my home. I really felt like I was failing my family. It didn't no longer felt like hurdles or even obstacles. It felt like I was climbing mountains. And they were covered in mud. And, you know, I had a grease suit on. It just felt like just total failure. And I wasn't going nowhere. But I just couldn't stop because I kept looking at that little boy and I kept looking at my wife and now, you know, my daughter who at the time, you know, was born in 2007 she was three by that point and I'm a firm believer you don't give up on people that you love no matter what it takes you don't give up on them and you move forward so, we did I did have to give up the business liquidated, sold off then, I moved from a really nice home in a nice neighborhood to a pretty poor home in a pretty poor area and uh, then I had to go through the obstacles again it felt like failure because I you know I lost it all and it wasn't there then a friend of mine reminded me of something that you know it's all just stuff you can get that back but you can't get the loved ones back and you can't get the integrity back of taking care of the loved ones around you and having that that character not the reputation, but the character, you know, who you are in the dark and what I did. And he said he admired me for being willing to put my family first ahead of all that other stuff that didn't really matter. So I started working hard on it, rebuilding, got me a good job managing a, another retail store and, you know, thought I'll, I'll revisit the business soon. But right now is just a time for healing and getting up on my feet making sure my family's taken care of so then really it, it started to build up started to get back on my feet we were really doing well again and you know we moved into a nicer house and things really started to get good and then right as it felt like we were about to the point where things were just about normal again the real Mr. Ugly comes showing up at the front door Man, things were going about as good as they could just about get for what we had went through, you know, just not quite two years before that. Then all of a sudden, like, it was, you know, right before Thanksgiving, and also my son just seemed very off. He just very distant, kind of staring off, very spacey. Kept tripping and falling. I thought, well, you know, he's 11 years old. He's, he's growing. Adolescence is starting to hit. I thought, ah, oh, maybe, you know, maybe just going through some stuff. And he would do some really absurd stuff, like he'd go to sit down in a chair and he'd completely miss it. And he'd like try to eat and he'd hit the side of his face with the fork or the spoon. And he'd spill stuff and he'd walk crooked and he'd stumble and fall. And he'd always talk about being dizzy. And hell, I just thought, you know, some of it was maybe growing, you know, just the awkwardness of growing through adolescence some of it I thought maybe he was putting on and I'd always tell him come on man 
come on, you got you got to focus. You got to focus. You need to focus, son. We need to we need to focus on things and make sure we're taking care of things. And he'd say, "I'm trying, Dad, but just don't know." Well, then he acted like he had the flu. Started getting fevers. Started just acting weird, like you know, just like the flu or like some kind of bad cold or something. And he was increasingly getting more dizzy, falling out of chairs, falling over on the couch. It's like, man, that's just weird. See what happens. Told my wife, let's see what happens. And if, if he doesn't feel better tomorrow, we're going to take him to the doctor. Well, took him to the doctor the next day. He wasn't feeling better. And it's just peculiar. He, you know, couldn't urinate anymore and, and uh, wasn't really having much of an appetite. And I knew something was off, especially once I was there at the doctors, the nurses, and the nurse practitioners, and the doctors all looking at each other really odd, and he wasn't saying much to me, and he's being real vague about everything. And I'm like, damn, man, what's going on? And, you know, I just, you know, I'm a very straight shooter when it comes that way. It's like I, no matter how hard something is, I'd just rather know the truth so that I can more effectively deal with what's in front of me because I'm a firm believer, you know, 10% of the time on the problem, 90% of the time on the solution. You know, get, get to the, do the work, do the work you need to do to move forward. And uh, they were still very vague, and they said, you might want to take him to the local children's hospital. And I live in Ohio, so they asked me to take him to Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus. Uh, and I live in southeast Ohio, so that was about a you know, 60, 70-mile drive. So made the trek, went up there, and you know they started looking at him, and they said, yeah, something's off, so let's just take a look at it. So we're going to do some CAT scans and an MRI, and we're going to see what's happening. Hours and hours and hours went by, and then the next thing we knew, it just it turned into you know, midnight, one, two a.m., and we was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the doctors came and finally knocked on the door and said, "Well, you know, you know, we want to talk about this. Uh, maybe we should step outside." And my son was laying on the bed in the room asleep, and my daughter was asleep too. And I said, "Well," and some people may disagree with this, but I said, "You know, no." We talk about things together. We're a unit. We're family. We do this together. And the doctor said, I don't know how to tell you this, psycho man, but your son has a tumor in his head. And it is wrapped around the base of his spine. And we don't know how to get rid of it. We still got a lot to look at, but you need to know that this is very serious. I instantly asked him if he was dying, and they said they didn't know yet. They didn't know if it was cancerous. So, obviously, destroyed, devastated. I mean, I was thinking maybe meningitis, worst case scenario. Not that that's a good thing or anything, but I was thinking about that. Never did it occur to me a brain tumor. I went, and my wife, strongest woman in the world, love her so much. She said, "Go take a minute." And she sat there and dealt with it. I went out and I was so weak. Dropped to my knees outside the hospital and sobbed and cried. Called my mother. Told my mother. One of the worst moments of my life to that point. Couldn't believe it. Boy, was the obstacles about to begin from there. Once I was done talking to my mother for about five minutes on the phone. and Got myself together. I came in and told my wife to go take some time for herself. 
she went and did the same, called her, called her parents, and then dealt with it for a few, and then uh, the doctor said they would stay in with our, our children, and so me and my wife could have a moment to discuss, you know, what we were going to do in this impossible situation, and we went out to the lobby, and we sit there and just cried for probably 30 more minutes, and, you know, then all of a sudden, it was like as if some blessing come running over us, some higher power, called God, I don't know, but it was, it was something special, and all of a sudden, we locked eyes, we stopped crying, and we said, we know exactly what we need to do, we need to be the best we can be, doesn't mean we got to be perfect, doesn't mean that we, you know, we can't be making, you know, we, we're infallible of making a mistake, we're impossible to make a mistake, but we need to be the best us we can be, and we need to be that for him. We can't be sobbing all the time. We can't be crying. We'll have our moments, but right now we need to think about what's important, and that's the quality of life and not the quantity of life. Instantly, I already jumped that first obstacle. I learned real quickly the importance of quality over quantity and holding on to a minute and using all the time that's in it, as my son told me later on. It was crazy, man. But all of a sudden, I felt very powerful. Like the most powerful human being in the world. Like I was going to trailblaze away to find out whatever we needed to do to get him well. And spend the best time we could in each and every moment that we had. So, our parents came in. We talked to them. We consoled them. We told them what our plans were and how we were going to be fighting and we were going to do the work that we needed to do to make this a big, big improvement for my son Skyler. So the days went on, did some more tests. Three days later, the worst news come, new obstacle. They came to us. People from St. Jude's came. The room was somber. I'll never forget the feeling, man. It felt like a big, thick, wet blanket in there. It just, it wasn't good. They looked at us and said, your son has DIPG. And that's an inoperable brain tumor, diffusing intrinsic pontine gloma. I'll never forget. And the only thing she said is, don't look it up. Please don't look it up. Well... Kind of like telling a child not to turn to page 23. I did it. But I had to because I'm strong to face the truth because that's the way I work. Went and looked it up. It's one of the nastiest childhood cancers there is. Not that any of them are good. It's a brain tumor that wraps around the brain stem. It's completely inoperable. Any operation will instantly kill the patient. Then come to find out that it said only 3% of patients survive. But that's past the age of 18. I looked and researched and not one human being ever survived it past their 20s. Very, very, very disheartening, very frightening. But I thought that there was a chance and I was going to have the faith that there was. But I also was understanding with God and told him, I understand whatever becomes of this is what will become of it we are going to make the absolute best of whatever time that we have. And believe it or not, that's what we did. 
One of the hardest things we ever had to do was sit down and tell him that he had a brain tumor, that he had cancer. The craziest thing is, is he reacted about the same way me and my wife did. He sat there and cried for about 20 or 30 minutes. Then when he got done, he never asked if he was going to die. He just said, well, what do we need to do? I begin to witness the absolute bravest of brave things I've ever seen from a human being, young or old. He began to go through every poke and prod, every procedure, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, being bolted to tables and having lasers shot into his head. and Shit that just frightened me in a way I couldn't even tell you. Horror stories that I wouldn't tell my worst enemies. Stuff that I've learned to deal with in my life and I've learned to process in a way that you know, maybe I could never explain it to you, but all I can tell you is I've made it work. But then some of the most magical stuff happened. One day the art cart come around to his room and said, Hey, Mr. Schuyler, you want to make a card today? And he said, sure. He's like, can I have several of them? And I explained to him, oh, son, you need to make sure that there's enough for everybody. He goes, no, I have a good reason. And the woman that ran the art cart said, well, what do you want all these cards for? He's like, because I want to make cards for all the sick kids here. I want to talk about an act of selflessness, of just holiness and godliness. Man, that was it. I had to excuse myself from the room, and I went bald for about five or ten minutes. Could not believe that a dying boy... When asked what he was doing, he in the moment that he could have done anything for himself, that all he did was think of other people. All the other sick kids, it wasn't about him. He wanted to go around and hand them out too. I couldn't believe it. I was just blown flat by this gesture. A few weeks later, we were sitting in a, an apartment that they had for us to help with the travel so that we didn't have to travel so much for the chemo and the radiation treatments and we stay in this apartment and he looked at me one day and said are you scared dad I said I'm terrified I'm absolutely afraid yes I am son I'm not gonna lie to you I'm very afraid he's like why are you afraid I was like because I don't want you to be sick I don't want bad things to happen to you he said well it'll be all right I'm sure it'll be fine and then I took a big gulp and I said are you afraid son and he said huh are you kidding me dad he's like we get as long as we get here he goes I'm not worried about it I'm just gonna hold on to a minute and use all the time that's in it and I'm gonna do best I can with what I've got and we don't get to negotiate that I then ran off to the bathroom again and cried for about 10 minutes because I thought what a young soul in an old body. How wise must you be to think that way? I mean, hell, at the time, this boy just turned 12 years old. You know, for me, you know, I'm 36 years old or whatever at the time. And I'm like, God, you're so much wiser than I am. Stuff that you can't even imagine begin to take place. He started doing all kinds of stuff going to events and and just talking to people and inspiring people and 
One time he couldn't even hardly walk and we went to do a doctor's appointment and he said, Dad, leave the wheelchair in the trunk. I'm walking in. And with a little bit of my assistance, I'll be damned. He walked every step of the way through that big hospital and went and did what he had to do. Then, all of a sudden, the miraculous happened. It was as if by magic. He started to get normal. Didn't need a wheelchair. He could run. Looked real good. Didn't lose his hair after all that. He was strong as an ox. He returned to form. It was like he wasn't even sick anymore. The doctors told me to beware of that, though, because it could very likely come back, but they were amazed at his progress. He began to speak of all the great times he wanted to have. We had a Make-A-Wish trip. If you don't know nothing about Make-A-Wish, look it up. And if you ever wanted to know and didn't know how great Make-A-Wish is, it might be the greatest thing ever. They sent us on a vacation. He wanted to go to Disney World. That was his wish. He wanted to go to Orlando and go to Disney World. Not only did we get to do that, they made sure we went to Disney World, Universal Studios. I'm so grateful to those, all those donors and all those people that did that. They made the obstacles much easier. We spent some of the highest quality time ever, and it was just amazing. We did bike runs, we raised pop tabs, we raised money for other sick kids. We did just some of the greatest stuff you could ever imagine. My greatest mentor in this world is my son. He taught me about using your time wisely, more than I even knew at the time. Everything I knew, everything I thought that I was, and everything that I thought I knew, he taught me so much. It was unbelievable. And we went and just did the most amazing things, and I just, I would need way more time than I have here to describe it, but he inspired thousands and thousands of people with his upbeat positivity, and the kid never once acted like he was scared. Never once did he ever show me he was afraid. And he attacked everything like it was his last duty to the world. He never asked for nothing. He never complained about nothing. He never cried or whined or made excuses for anything. I had to cop to him. I had told him six months before that that he needed to learn to focus. I apologized to him and told him I was sorry and humbled myself. And I told him, you understand focus, son. As a matter of fact, I'm the one that didn't get it. You taught me. I began to grow as a human being right before my own eyes. And I learned it through my own 12-year-old son. It was a crazy time. It was just very whimsical and it was a whirlwind adventure. And as strange as this may sound to you, and hopefully you don't take it the wrong way, but it was probably the greatest time of my life. I learned to drop off all the crap that didn't matter in this world. I learned how to get above the noise. I learned how to cut it all out and pay attention to what really mattered in life. And that was the moments with the people that you love and the desires to do the things that you want to do and to the exercise the opportunity to go after passions and do great things and be a servant to others and do things great for people. But then, unfortunately, the inevitable comes. 
And I know this is good vibes, and some of this is sad, but I promise it comes to a good point about overcoming obstacles. But unfortunately, we had to weather the worst storm of all. Things started sliding. He started stumbling around again. All the stuff we've seen at the beginning. I had to come to terms with it at that point that it had came back. We took him to the doctor. They rescanned everything. That thing had went from the size of a baseball to the size of a pea. When I took him back, it was bigger than it ever was. The nurse and doctor looked at me and cried. With the straightest face and the driest eyes, I asked them, my son is going to die soon, isn't he? They couldn't even look me in the eye. They sit there with their heads down and nodded in approval that I was correct. I put my hands on their shoulder and I told them not to worry. They've done the best that they could do and I was grateful to them. And that I've learned so much from this. And that while I was hurting inside, I knew that there was a purpose for all of this. And that things would somehow be okay. We spent the last four weeks with my son and I begin to watch some of the most horrifying stuff you could ever possibly imagine. Things I probably would never share with anybody else. Ah, perhaps I would if I thought it was necessary, but to be quite honest, I don't know if anybody ever should know something like that. But, for whatever reason, these some of the most horrifying visual and just, I can't explain it to you, things that I went through. It created something whole and new in me and my wife and my daughter. It created a whole new human being. On August 18th, 2012, we took my son to a respite home. We had finally conceded to the fact that it was over. And then the most amazing thing happened during the worst possible time. We wheeled him into a room. We were getting ready to go to the ocean. Someone had raised some money and said that, he, that was the one thing he never got to do was see the ocean. So they had raised money, they were sending us to the ocean. He got too sick in the last couple weeks. So when we took him to the respite home to have his final moments, they had designed the room like a beach. They put sand up, they put umbrellas. It was so wonderful. They tried to make it as real as they could. People went to the ocean on their own and took pictures. Put them on the walls. Let him see it. Sent him stuff. It was great. And the most amazing thing happened. As he wheeled him into the room, they said his heart was slowing down and it was about to come to an end. I leaned forward and we had a very private conversation. And when it was completed, I stepped back from him. He looked at me looked around the room and looked back at me and smiled and took his last breath. Now if that is not the most amazing sign of faith and something that you can get behind and that I can tell you this story right now in a strong way without breaking down you know I can't put it in a way that you, you'll ever understand the feeling of it. And while this might be sad and it might be upsetting to some of you, this story carries with it the amazing and great power 
of battling the highest levels of adversity and overcoming the greatest obstacles. That morning, it was a clear, sunshiny morning after he had passed about 5 a.m. As the family come in and viewed, and as we drove away from the facility that he was in without him, I had this overwhelming sense of calm, like I was prepared for a whole new life. He had given me the greatest gifts that any of you could possibly ever imagine. Thousands of people turned up for his funeral. It changed so many people. And the craziest way to look at it is that it took the sacrifice of one life, whether we agreed with it or not. But he saved thousands of people who got to meet him during that time. And I know still hundreds and hundreds yet that have a completely different life now because of him. And you can too. That is overcoming obstacles. So what did I do next? And what does it all mean? So what does it all mean? I will personally tell you that I don't know that anything could be harder for a person. But I'll also tell you something else. My story is just one example. My son's story, Skyler, is one example. We all walk a tough road. We have been through incredible things, apart, together. It's really amazing, man. Everything from losing children to parents to siblings to injuries, near-death experiences to incarcerations to repeated failures to just pure hatefulness and the things that we all go through that we all experience as people. None of us are immune from these type of obstacles. And none of us are promised nothing. Which is why the lesson of all this and overcoming obstacles, if you want to know how to really do it, is I want you to live in day-tight compartments. It's okay to learn from yesterday. And it is okay to plan for tomorrow. But all the doing is today, right now. That's where it's all at. You listening to this podcast right now, as soon as it's over, it's up to you what you're going to do and how you're going to perceive things and how you're going to take it. Do I miss my son? Every minute of the day. I miss him so much. But I've accepted that for whatever reason, he had to live his life and die the way that he did. And it made me 100-fold a better human being and it made thousands of other people better human beings and while it's a real hard pill to swallow I could be selfish and say I trade it all to have him back but I'm going to be honest as much as I miss him and I would love to have him back this is the way it was supposed to be and it was God's plan it was supposed to be like that because his sacrifice was the healing of the many I don't know quite how to put that to you if you didn't experience it, but for anybody who's listening to this, who knows me and the new Skyler, you know what I'm talking about. Or anybody who's ever been through something like this, and they come out on the other side clean, with a good conscience and a strong character, and an ambition and a fire 
to do great things in this world. And it all starts with the efforts of today. Because of my son, I will never waste another, another minute in my life, ever. I will make good on everything because I owe it to myself. And I would never want to let him down either. Because he showed me how to not waste any time, how to get the most out of everything, but at the same time, how to be so giving of yourself to others and to give until it hurts deep inside. Because if we just all take care of each other in that way, then we don't have anything to be sad about. As a matter of fact, it is a glorious, awesome thing, this life that we have. So if you'd ever do me one favor, whether you know me or not, don't waste your day. Just do it. Do it. Get the most out of it. All the time, every time. And don't let bullshit obstacles get in your way. Because that's all they are. And I'm not special. And if I can go through this and come out on the other side and do great things and be a great positive individual, then I promise you have everything within you to answer your own questions and do the same. I don't want anybody to be sad. I want you to be uplifted by this. It's good vibes. But it is a very important and tough story to share. I want to thank so many of you for everything that you do and the people that you are and everything that you become. And I want to thank you for spending just a little bit of your time listening to my podcast today. From Good Vibes, I am the Psycho Man. This edition is for my son, Skylar Lane Sykes, amazing human being. I wish y'all could have got to know him, and hopefully through this, you did get to a little bit. Have a great day, everybody. Good vibes your way. I love you all. I appreciate you all, and I wish you all nothing but the best. From the Psycho Man, I am out. I'm not going to